Hello and welcome to the 20 Minutes of Filler Podcast. I am your host, Jason Katarski, and today I'm coming to you from the road home, headed north and a little bit east from St. Louis, Missouri, back to lovely Flint, Michigan. We just uh, finished up at Geekway to the West, and I'm here with my buddy and regular co-host, Mr. Eric Carlson. Yeah, and he's driving us right now uh, back to uh, our lovely homes and our lovely families. But we wanted to spend a little bit of time kind of sharing our experience, uh, reflecting on the cool things uh, that happened at the con, and give you a taste of what it was like to be at Geekway to the West. Um, So Geekway to the West is a small-ish convention. Um, And and when I say small-ish, it's actually a medium-ish convention, I think, because uh, it caps at about 2,000 people. Uh, They've been at the same place in St. Louis, a hotel kind of conference center, for five years. And they've outgrown that space, so next year they're getting ready to move to a new location. But it's ran by some uh, really good group of folks. It was originally started by Jay Little, the, uh, the designer of... X-Wing Miniatures game for Fantasy Flight, and then it was kind of passed along to uh, some of his gaming buddies, including Chris Darden, who you might know from a game uh, called Dungeon Roll that it, you can find at Barnes Noble that Tasty Minstrel put out. Um, he's one of the one of the gamers there that has kind of uh, really took the lead of this convention. And I mean, I have to say, it was a really a really nice convention. It was really well done for the size that it was high quality stuff all around what, what do you think about what were like your impressions eric of the of the convention yeah it was great it was a good size seemed super well organized which is always nice they had a great uh play and win section so i had a great time why don't you talk a little bit about that what like the play and win deal so for maybe some people who aren't familiar with how that works sure publishers uh and other various stores and folks to donate a set of games And you show up, you check out that game from a library, you play it, you rate it, and at the end of the convention, hopefully you win it and take it home. Yeah, it's a really simple process. Like, you just play the game, everybody writes their name on a card, you drop it in the bin for the game that you played. And the cool thing about that is is it gives these games that are in the play-to-win section, There, I think there was like 300 games. I think there was like 100 different titles, three copies of each game. Um, really gave those games, new stuff, small publisher stuff, a chance to shine. Because people are looking for something to play. And there's definitely some nice incentive there. We're like, hey, maybe I'll win this game and get to take home a free game. Um, so it seemed like we had two games in the play to win. Uh, we had Jurassic Attack uh, from Green Couch Games and Avalanche Yeti Mountain. And both of them were getting a lot of play. There was a good uh, handful of uh, cards in the voting buckets. Which means, you know, you had to have at least two to three people playing, you know, these games. So each card represents, you know, more than the single card. So that that was really cool. Um, so our game got some play, and, and we had we had a booth there for Green Couch selling our stuff and showing off a little bit about what's coming next from the company. And um, it was a neat con to be at because a bunch of people knew who we were as Green Couch Games. But then also... Um, there was a lot of new people who hadn't heard of us yet. So we got to introduce the company to a lot of people. And um, we had a couple new releases. So we were able to, to sell some games. And, and uh, yeah, that was a, it was, I think it was a success for Green Couch in, in that respect. Getting the name out there to a new audience. And, and just being present with a, a small room of other indie publishers. And, you know, kind of our medium-sized publishers, too. Uh, 
we had some fun in the play to win too. Uh, that was kind of where Eric and I spent a lot of our time. So, um, what are some of the games, uh, Eric, that, that stand out to you that we played from the play to win just briefly? Cause we're going to talk some more about these in a future episode where we had a cool interview guest from the weekend too, but, uh, just kind of run down some of those from the play to win. Uh, seven wonders duel was one that really stood out to me. We played uh, Flip City because I was hoping to take that with me. I did not win, but would love a free copy. So, uh, you know, Tasty Mestral, if you're listening, send it uh, to your Green Couch Games and I'll figure it out. Yeah, we um, we played a local game called uh, a locally like published and designed game from a small kind of startup uh, called Private Die, a little pub-style dice roller that was that was kind of cool. Um, I, I picked out one called Gloobs. That's right. Gloobs, yeah. Talk a little bit about that one. So uh, Gloobs is just kind of a, a fun dexterity game where you're grabbing objects as a card flips over. It's from a company whose name uh, befuddles me. Jason, what's it called? They're called uh, Gigantic, which they're a, they're a, I think they're a French company. Who, who's, who's been around for years and years specializing in abstract strategies. They put out Quarto and Corridor, like these these games that are known for like making high-quality wooden abstracts, but also uh, have a big children's game line, too. So, yeah, Gloobs was, was cute. It was kind of along the lines of like a Spotted or a Ghost Blitz with a little twist, uh, some little rubber... Uh, rubber duck material type uh, figurines that you're that you're grabbing at, um, and that was a that was a cute little title that maybe uh, you guys will get to check out at, at Gen Con. There, Gigantic is uh, starting to expand their U.S. presence, so this is like a was a test for them to get some of their games in front of the American audience before they go to Gen Con in a few months uh, to kind of introduce a few titles uh, on a larger scale. So. So, so just to be clear, it's gi- gigantic, gigantic, gigantic. Yep, gigantic. Yeah, like gigantic, but gigantic. Like, like I can say gigantic. I just want that to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> I can say gigantic. That was not what was confusing. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, yeah, that was that was cool. And then, uh, also in the play to win, I'm trying to think of what else we played in the play to win. Oh, we played the uh, Reiner Knizia game, Circus Flowachi, Flocachi. Flea Circus, essentially, I think is what that's about. Um, and yeah, that was, it was a really kind of fun thing to do. Like, one of the things that Eric and I did that was a little different for a convention setting is um, we knew some people, but we didn't have like a big group that we were with, like I am at some of the, uh, the bigger conventions. So we just did a lot of playing games together and chilling after our long day of uh, hawking our wares in the booth. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think we'll talk a little bit about two-player games that that we that we played um so the first one that you mentioned eric was seven wonders duel so um you said that was a standout for you so like what was it that really stood out to you about that game it was a great meaty two-player game i've never played seven wonders so i don't really have any context but i loved uh a lot of the aspect of it kind of the flow how you're uh, building your civilization over three ages, and just how cards are revealed and kind of how they stack together. A lot of thinking, a lot of trying to prevent you from getting the things that you need. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's some great components, well produced. It was just a lot of fun. I agree. Like I, I really, I have played Seven Wonders, 
and it's not my favorite game. Um, it's a drafting game, and it's good. It's It's got a little bit um, more symbols than I really wanted to pay attention to for the level of setup and the level of play that Seven Wonders is. But Seven Wonders Duel, it's still, there's still some symbols, but I think that, um, and drafting is a thing that doesn't always work really good with two players. So um, I think they really distilled this two-player drafting uh, down to a really, really nice game. And um, it, it scratches a lot of that itch of, of Seven Wonders, but um, it, it worked really good. So, like, the, the cool twist on the drafting is that, like, for over the three rounds, there's a structure that you build out of these mini cards. And every other row, are they're staggered and, like, kind of like, I mentioned a pyramid. So there's, like, a couple cards face down, and then there's a row of three more that are face up, and then there's another row that are face down that's a little bit bigger, and then there's a row that's face up that's back to three, and then a row that's face up that's down to two, and then one that's, you know... So it's, like, in this alternating, every row of this pyramid structure that's staggered with cards is face up or face down. So you see the mo the first level that's available. You have a little bit of information sometimes or you have a bunch of cards to choose from. But as you take a card, the ones that it was covering, as soon as they're un unhindered, they flip. So you have more choices. So you're looking at, you're not overwhelmed with the amount of choices, but you have a lot of information about what the other players can choose. So it's not about just taking one card, it's about taking one card away from the other player, but like you see that puzzle um, a little more freely because it's more open, but it's not overwhelming about how open it is. Um, you choose those cards and you're building different technologies, you're, you're, they have resources on them and different tracks, but you can advance in science, you can have a military victory, so there's multiple paths to victory. And, I mean, it's a really nice uh, two-player distillation of, of Seven Wonders. It really improves the game, in my mind. So I'm glad that we, we pulled that off the shelf. You just grabbed it and said, hey, I want to play this one. And, and uh, I was a little nervous because, like, meteor games, like, after I'm super tired, like, it's not super meaty, but it was just enough to make me go, I don't know, we got to read that whole rule, rule book now because it's just the two of us tonight. And, and, but it went really well. Yeah, so. that's what I was going to say. Is we, we cracked it like 11 p.m. after a full day of hustling and playing other games. And we were done by midnight with reading the rule book and getting it set up. And it didn't feel overwhelming. I was pretty tired. And I was kind of concerned that we had bitten off more than we could chew. But it was it was light and quick. And once you're familiar, I'm sure you can get it into that 30-minute mark. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so Seven Wonders Duel. Highly recommended two-player game. We're gonna keep cruising with this two-player game thing. This one is is the opposite of meaty and chunky, but uh, it was a super fun experience. And that was a game from Foxmind called Maze Racers. So uh, when you talk about a little bit how Maze Racers works, uh, Eric Carlson. So in, in Maze Racers, you have like a almost like a TV tray that is metal, and then you are placing these foam uh, bumpers with magnets on them and creating a, a maze for your opponent to race. It's a two-player game. And so you are kind of both blindly building this maze as fast as you can. And when you're done, you say, ready to race. And the other person has one minute to complete their maze structure. Uh, you have four quadrants on the uh, tray and you both agree you're going to start in quadrant one and end in quadrant whatever. And so you just kind of see who can get the most uh, confounding maze. And you, ha you have to make sure that 
that your maze is clear. Now, Jason says that my maze was uh, unclear at a couple of times. That the, the the marble got stuck, and I think that he had moved some things before oh, he erased. No way, no way. So because when I tested, it was fine. <laughs> There's a little dowel rod that comes with it. That's like your wand that. As you're building your maze, you use it to slide through the maze to make sure that your marble will actually fit. And I got stuck three times in Eric's maze. I, I had made some intentional traps, which you fell into quite quickly, I must say. Oh, those traps meaning impassable walls, which break the rules. But his maze was better than mine, even though he broke the rules. He got through my maze in like 10 seconds. I tried to do some traps, but I wasn't sure that they worked like I intended them to. Mm. So the only the only problem I have with this game is that it took way longer to build your maze than it does to like go through the maze. Now, the the building of the maze is a fun activity in itself. Like I imagine getting this game for my kids and just having them make a maze for me to like to go through as a challenge, not as a race. Yeah. Um, and the components were were fantastic and it's a really clever idea. Just the payoff wasn't quite as big. But, I mean... That's because your maze wasn't as good. <laughs> true. <laughs> but, yeah, like, the building aspect really scratches a cool itch, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. it's an engineering thing. If you like puzzles, if you're into that sort of thing, then Maze Racers, Racers is, is a very cool game uh, to look at. Uh, the third two-player game I want to I hit on is by a designer that I am fond of. It is uh, J. Alex Cavern. He's a uh, couple games that you, he's he's done that we've talked about before. He did Gold West by Tasty Minstrel. He also did Easy Breezy uh, Travel Agency with Dice Hate Me, which is one of my favorite little two-player game or not two-player but small box uh, card games. And this one is a game that is only available in Europe uh, for the most part. It was put out by White Goblin Games, and it is called Docs Doxu, uh, two-player game, and it's a set collection game. Uh, kind of set in this uh, kind of Asian shop work workplace uh, market area. Uh, the, the theme is very light, but the idea is that you are trying to have uh, the best shop. But if you have if you go over the top, then it's not as good for you, and the, and the customers maybe don't trust you a little bit. So the, the the heart of the game is building sets that are bigger than the opponent's sets but they are not too much bigger. So the less cards difference there are in between you when you're taking this majority in these six different colors or types of shop, the better. So like if I only have one uh, card more than my opponent in a color, I might get five points. Whereas if I had two cards more, I'm only gonna get four and it goes down and there's some penalties if you have too big of a gap. So you don't get any points if you have more than three or four depending on which side of the board you're on. Um, and those penalties are a little bit more painful. Like you, you lose a point and your opponent gets a point for each of their cards instead of you. Um, and the way that you, you collect these sets is clever too because it has to do with these four action cards that you're, you're revealing at the same time. You're either deciding to give those cards away or take those cards to cooperate with the other player's action choice or to undermine them by saying, I win and you're going to do the opposite of whatever action you chose. So there's a little bit of getting into each other's head and trying to figure out what they might pick based on what cards are available in this, this kind of round. You reveal three cards at a time that you're fighting over um, and 
I mean, that's that's essentially the, the thing, is getting into each other's heads and really paying attention to those sets. So, uh, first time through the game, I felt like I was drowning, and I wasn't <laughs> understanding, like, what to do. Because uh, I, I was just thinking about the mechanics rather than thinking about what is my player doing and what does it mean uh, to, to kind of figure out what they're doing. But as time went on, halfway through the game, it, it connected with me, and I started seeing it better. There was that aha moment for you where you're like, oh, I get it. I get how to do this. Yeah, and then, and then instantly, which is a good sign of a game, we finished it. And this is another late night, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock for us, because we're old men and we don't stay up to 4 a.m. at conventions. <laughs> we were on dad hours, dad's right. party until about midnight, and then they cashed it in, apparently. Um, after, after that first play, we said, all right, we got it, let's play it again. And another tight, it was even tighter than the first game, now that we kind of knew what was going on. So, um, cool, cool game. Uh, it has some great push and pull, some good tension, you're... And the scoring was really interesting. It kind of... You, you don't know how it's going to shake out until the very end, until it shakes out. And so you can try your best to position yourself well, but even in the end, it can come down to a, a couple of points. So that was neat. Yeah, really really tight, kind of clever scoring. And uh, it, it felt fresh for being something simple like choose an action and collect sets but it, it, it did a good job so Alex is definitely a designer to watch and uh, and I'm, I'm a fan so uh, very cool stuff uh, so some of the other highlights of the uh, the convention Eric uh, besides the play to win besides those few games that we played like did you have any other cool moments uh, as you were spending time at Geekway I think we should give a shout out to our friend Nate who came out and ran the booth with us. Yeah, Nate Darty, he's a St. Louis local, and he was awesome. He's a, I knew him through the knowing the Building the Game podcast guys. He's a regular listener of theirs, and he came up to Grand Con. He just texted me and said, "Hey, you need some help in your booth today?" And we happen to have an extra badge, so uh, he came and 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 worked his butt off for us, and and was a great dude. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was great to have his energy in the booth. Yeah, another cool moment for me was, uh, you know, this convention was a little bit slower than the giant convention, so there were times when the vendor hall was a little quieter. (laughs) So we did a little brainstorming together and came up with with a game. So Eric and I went to the library and uh, got a deck of cards that had numbers and colors and started started brainstorming a new kind of pressure luck uh, card game. So uh, that was a that was a cool thing. How does it feel uh, to co- go to St. Louis, a boy, and come home a man, Eric, uh, as a game designer? Oh, it was fun. You know, uh, idle hands and all, when we're just sitting around. Uh, those who are into board games uh, eventually will design, I imagine. So. <laughs> yeah, and then being there, like we had a little idea that was working, so we showed it to Nate a little bit, and he gave us some some ideas and then we we hung out um with daryl andrews uh game designer uh quite a bit and it played it with him and he showed us a few prototypes and uh we were talking about baseball and like all kinds of stuff but he was able to give us some good feedback for our game too and we get to see a couple of his ideas and he's another game designer to watch that's just cranking out cool ideas and it's always good for a good story about the blue jays <laughs> um and then we spent some time with uh, with Dave Banks, one of the one of the guys from Geek Dad, and we'll be back next week with a cool interview that we had with him. He was a great guy to spend time with, and and GeekDad.com uh, is one of my favorite websites to to learn all those things that uh, you know geeky dads and moms do with their cool kids. You know, so 
Um, so definitely check that out. But I don't think we can end this episode just yet because we did some other exploring and that had to do with the cuisine of St. Louis. So we went to four restaurants and two of them were pizza places and two of them were barbecue joints. So we had we had some important uh, findings that we wanted to share with you. So uh, why, don't you, why don't we start with pizza, Eric? What are, what are your thoughts about your pizza experiences in St. Louis? Yeah, there are two main ones we went to. Uh, Emo's, spelled I-M-O, and Pi. Spelled, that spelled, mathematical symbol. Spelled with the symbol. <laughs> and uh, Emo's is known for their pizza specifically. They put this uh, special kind of cheese on it called Provel, which is a mix of... Provolone, Swiss, and white cheddar, I think. That sounds right. And uh, and then they have a real thin, thin cracker crust. Think like Tombstone pizza, but way better. <laughs> way better. Yes, indeed. Uh, the sauce was just a red sauce, and uh, I enjoyed it. Like we heard people saying, "Oh, not that cracker garbage," and and it was, you know, it was phenomenal. It was the perfect mix. Of the crust to sauce to cheese to meat ratio. It's just they know what they're doing at Emo's. They have the recipe and they're working it. You know, it's a takeout window place. See yourself, you know, get your own napkins and plastic silverware and, and well, sit the at the table. The plastic silverware was like metallic. It was very high quality. Yeah, plastic. I thought it was real until I picked it up, bro. <laughs> our, our friend Nate, Nate Darty? Nate Darty. Darty, like party. Darty, like a party. Yeah. He, he recommends eating the Emo's pizza, folding it over like a sandwich. Oh, then you get a little bit of thickness, but still yeah. the crunch. Yeah, and that sounds like a gr- great plan. Well, next time we next can try time. that. So then we went to Pi, which is another, uh, a, a different kind of experience. It's a sit-down place. They had deep dish. Um, they had shirts on that actually on the back <laughs> said Provel with a circle and a line through it. Like, they are against this St. Louis cheese. Provel haters, for sure. Yeah, it felt a little bit more elitist. Uh, <laughs> they, you know, the, it was sustainable stuff, recycled stuff, and I think they try to do locally sourced stuff, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, the pizza was good, and and the, the sauce on the pizza we got was uh, was Pappy's Barbecue Sauce, mm, which Pappy's. which is one of the barbecue places that we went to that, that has some great, great barbecue. But... But I feel like they forgot to put the sauce on her pizza. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't taste any sauce on this. It, it, was, well, light, it was lightly sauce. It was lightly sauce, like, between two layers of cheese. So uh, so that was... It, it was a little bit Chicago-style, the cornmeal. Yeah. But I, I wanted a little more from that experience. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Emo's or Imo's for, for the win. But I'll eat either of them because pizza's glorious. Yes. And then, so we pulled in. This was cool. We pulled in to, to Pappy's. Pappy's Smokehouse. Um, first thing we did when we got there, it's famous barbecue, according to the Yelp and the interwebs. Mm-hmm. And who pulls up next to us at the same exact time but a car with Daryl Landers, game designer, and John Gilmore, designer of Dead, uh, Dead of Winter and, uh, and Vault Wars, pulling in right next to us. And they came from the same region as we did. Like, they came from the Ohio, you know, down from Canada and then through Ohio. And uh, we had a nice little dinner with them at Pappy's, eating some legendary barbecue. Those ribs, though. <laughs> oh, my word. They are everything I look for in a rib. The sauce was on point. There was a good crisp on top. The meat pulled right off but didn't fall off. So, it was, oh, it was glorious. 
so the ribs were fantastic. Uh, I don't eat meat off bones. It weirds me out that there's evidence that this thing was once alive. I'd like to just rather ignore that whole part of uh, nature. But uh, I did have a taste of some ribs, and they were, it was glorious. I'm more of a, just a pulled pork guy. The work has already been done. Somebody already did that dirty work for me. Um, and it was good. It was good. But my shining barbecue spot was Sugar Fire. Uh, we had these giant trays filled with things like pork belly, um, what are they, what were they called? Pork belly, uh, hush puppies with the jalapeno jelly. And you had some weird bacon that was, uh, their house bacon. Yeah, it was like a candied pepper bacon. It was like bacon dessert. And if you know me, you know my passion for bacon and eating it in all forms. So I just got a side and it was glorious. And we shared because that's what you have to do when you're trying all the meats. And and I got the sausage link, their house sausage, which was phenomenal. It filled my mouth with smoke and then a nice cheese and then a little bit of spice on the Uh end. It was so good. And the pulled pork was phenomenal. Um, And then we sit down at the table, right? And there's like 12 bottles of sauce. Gotta have the sauce. I'm a sauce guy. We had everything from white barbecue, from honey badger, to root beer, root beer barbecue sauce. Frosty root beer. Yes. Uh, Jelly, like jalapeno. There was a pickled jalapeno. Pickled jalapeno, yeah. It was was awesome. And then there's a Reverend Horton Heat poster that's autographed (laughs) on the wall. It's a little more rock and roll. Uh, it, it it gets my uh, my full endorsement. So, yes. and then next door there was a pie place. So it was sugar, sugar fire fires. pie. So we took some pie back for the hotel for later because you know we ate really healthy this weekend while we were That's away right. from our wives. But all right, so there it is. Uh, Geekway to the West, a great experience for us for Green Couch Games, meeting the the, the locals in St. Louis, and connecting with uh, old friends and new. Um, we're glad to tell you about some cool two-player games that you can get out there and play with your family. And uh, we're looking forward to being back with you next week when you can hear a little bit from uh, our buddy Dave Banks uh, and what's going on over at Geek Dad. Uh, thanks so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jason Katarski or at uh, Green Couch Games. What about you, Eric? I'm at Donut Cow 11 All right, so until next time, you get out there and play some great little games.